0: You know, we're going to drop this whole Guy card thing. We're just going <laughs> to talk about Doctor Who. We've been going for like 45 minutes talking about Doctor I'm Who. I'm sorry, man. Awesome. You're listening to Just One of the Guys. Well, the fact this show is out of numerical order should really mess with my mild OCD.
1: Shaking like a loud. Makes me feel like a madman on the run Find me never, never far gone So get your leather, leather, leather
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast. This is an internet radio show dedicated to bringing you coverage of the Green Lantern comics from cover date June 1990 until cover date November 2004, with a special special emphasis on the characters of Guy Gardner and Kyle Rayner, my two favorite Green Lanterns in the entire universe. That's a big universe. Today we're going to be covering uh, something a little different. We're going, I guess, technically numerically out of order, because today we're going to be covering Issue 0 of Guy Gardner and Issue 0 of Green Lantern. What you say? We were just covering Issues 55 and 24 a couple of weeks ago. Well, one week ago. Yes, there was a big crossover event called Zero Hour, which basically completely and totally fixed the DC universe. In a way that it didn't at all. And to cover these epic episodes, I'm joined by who I'm going to be calling my semi-regular co-host. Sorry, Michael Bailey, I'm stealing that from you. Mr. Thomas DJ. Hey, Thomas, how's it going?
2: Hello, Sean. You know, I I just picked up this morning this uh, imported African sparkling mineral water. And then I've got these weird rashes breaking out on me.
0: Uh, Is it sort of red and red and yellow circles it looks kind of like funky tattoos yeah yeah have you, have you suddenly just beefed up and like walking around shirtless and in red and
2: red my, my eye color. is regenerated
0: wow yes. <laughs> i don't know how that could have happened that's, a, that's some good and mineral water. water i love that kind of stuff <laughs> but obviously we're going to be talking about these issues and thomas is going to be bringing the awesome this time around because well he he generally just does but what i'm going to do now as usual is take a break i'm going to plug a few promos in here and when we get back we're going to start our coverage of green lantern number zero
3: Battle stations engage. Captain Picard is a pain, isn't he? Interesting. No redeeming qualities.
1: I think you should be destroyed.
4: The great Captain Picard of Starfleet falls to earth. Go. Thou well, shalt most certainly die.
1: Protect yourself, Captain, or then destroy you. We are
4: dangerous. What can
1: I offer except myself? Can just get down to it, please. Get us out of orbit!
5: Why can't you offer this
0: Wesley, we're through running from these bastards.
1: Perhaps today is a good day to die.
5: Join the Two True Freaks, Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell for Star Trek Monthly Monday. Every month the Freaks will bring you two episodes of Star Trek: The Next Generation and
2: more. Episodes of Star Trek Monthly Monday can be found for free at
5: twotruefreaks.libsyn.com. Libson spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. They can also be downloaded for free from iTunes.
4: Ready to form Voltron.
1: This is a job for Superman! Power Rangers! Right away, Michael. Autobots, transform! By the power of Greyskull! For the honor of Greyskull!
4: Hello, I'm the doctor.
0: Charlie's Geek Cast, coming January 1st, 2013, to www.Charlie'sGeekCast.com. And we're back. Now, before we get to the issues proper, I'd like to just kind of go over what Zero Arrow actually was. So, because I'm lazy and don't really care, I'm going to use the Wikipedia article to tell you about Zero Hour. Now. <laughs> Zero Hour is an American conspiracy television series created by Paul Schering for ABC. This doesn't – Anthony – No, 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 no. Oh, wait. Oh, that's the wrong – oh, damn it all. Okay, hold on one second. Oh, okay, here we go. Zero Hour comic. Okay. Uh, Reading from Wikipedia, because, again, I'm lazy, Zero Hour Crisis in Time is a five-issue comic book limited series and crossover storyline published by DC Comics in 1994. In it, the former hero, Hal Jordan, who until then had been a member of the intergalactic police force known as the Green Lantern Corps, mad with grief after the destruction of his hometown, Co-City, during the Reign of the Superman storyline, had obtained immense power as Parallax. Well, not technically, he wasn't really mentioned as Parallax, but we'll skip that. Parallax attempted to destroy and then remake the DC Universe. The crossover involved almost every DC Universe monthly series published at the time. The issues of the series itself were numbered in reverse order, beginning with issue four and ending with zero. See what they did? Counting down zero. Hmm. The series was written in pencil by Dan Jurgens with inks by Jerry Ordway. The series is noted for its motif of the DC Universe gradually fading out as events reach their climax. So that's basically what Zero Hour was. It was kind of DC's way to sort of, look at what was going on and what had happened with the crisis and attempt to fix things. And in essence, it was kind of a failed event. Yeah. It actually made things worse.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Well, especially with the characters of the JSA, which were, because they were, uh, prior to the crisis, were essentially Earth 2 characters that were brought into this combined universe. It just, Really messed with them. Basically, the storyline was the character of Extant, who was originally Monarch, who was originally Hawk from the team Hawk and Dove, a- who was supposed to be Captain Adam. Yes, who was supposed to be Captain Adam from Armageddon It was Armageddon two thousand and one. Yes, jeez, oh, it's it all works out. But it's supposedly, he gains temporal powers and is able to travel through time, and he's going about mucking up time. And he uh, has a confrontation with the uh, members of the JSA, and he aged several of them, removing this effect that had kept them young since the 1940s. We eventually find out, however, Extant's powers are coming from uh, Green Lantern Hal Jordan, who has decided to take the ultra-scary name of Parallax. And, of course, we mentioned Hal had gone insane because of the destruction of Coast City and because of the fact that DC Editorial couldn't deal with Gerard Jones' storyline that would have made Hal, you know fight the Guardians. But right, that's but it's the 90s, Jake. Yes. You could tell by the fact that Parallax has the biggest effing shoulder pads <laughs> in the world. And uh, not only the shoulder pads... But the cape that makes Spawn go, hey, <laughs> you may want to tone it down a bit with that cape. I mean, right. that's really kind of out there. You're embarrassing oh, us. and <laughs> yeah. you can embarrass image characters, that's saying something. Mm-hmm. But essentially what happened was the whole of the DC Universe had to uh, eventually end up trying to take out Hal Jordan Parallax. And at the end, Green Arrow shoots an air- shoots oddly enough, an arrow through Al Jordan's chest, and he and Kyle Rayner get sucked through the time stream as things sort of get recreated in the whole new new DC universe. And that essentially leads us into the issue of Green Lantern Number Zero, mm-hmm. which is kind of a finale of uh, Zero Hour, kind of, in a way that it isn't. But I'll just go ahead and head into my synopsis of uh, Green Lantern Zero, uh, which was cover dated uh, October 1994 with a release date of August 23rd, 1994. It had a cover price of $1.50 US, 2.10 Canada, and 70 p UK. The title was Second Chances. Writer was Ron Mars, penciler Daryl Banks, inker Romeo Tanghal. letterer Albert Guzman color Steve Mattson, assistant, ed- assistant editor Eddie Braganza, and editor Kevin Destroyer of All Worlds. Do... Du- <laughs> taken the thing and run with it okay following the events of zero hour kyle rayner and hal jordan now going by the pseudonym of parallax are pulled into a time tunnel and transported to the post hal going nutso planet of oa parallax pulled the arrow fired by green arrow who else do you think it would be from his chest and proclaims that he intentionally used wave riders time rift to bring him back here so he could absorb more of the emerald energy to complete his task Kyle begs to differ and brings up an ED-209 battle suit to try and take out the former lantern. Hal says that Kyle's gesture is a futile one, as once he absorbs enough power, no one can stop it. But for some reason he's unable to draw from the planet's resources, and Kyle takes this opportunity to knock the villain to the ground. Hal realizes that without a ring or a battery, he has no conduit, conduit to the energy anymore, and Kyle takes this moment to sock Hal in the jaw and blow him up real good with a ring construct lamp. Dazed from the explosion, Hal comes across the bleached bones of his former comrade, Kilowog. Mournfully, Hal picks up the skull and tries to apologize, realizing he's made mistakes, but all he wanted to do was make things right. Kyle approaches and says that he's done enough, and Hal and then Hal says that he hasn't. All his life, all he's tried to do is to save people. To stop destruction, to do what's right. If he can't do that, he's become one of the bad guys. Seeing Hal's misery, Kyle tries to relate with the Great Hal. You know. He says that he thought the whole hero thing would be great, but it turned out to have a heavy cost. His girlfriend Alex was killed because he became the hero. Hal says that the job isn't easy, and he asks the new Green Lantern about himself. Kyle recaps the past few issues, letting, including him getting the ring, the fight with Mongol, and him getting back with Alex but with all he's been through, Kyle just isn't sure if he wants to keep on making these sacrifices. Hal says that it's part of the job, the part that he loved doing. Contemplating the situation, Kyle slowly takes the ring from his finger and hands it back to Hal Jordan, who places it on his finger proudly, proclaiming, I'm back. Hal thanks the young man for giving him the second chance, and Kyle Kyle says that maybe this was how it was supposed to be. Hal agrees as he uses the ring to tap into the Owen energy so he can finish what he started and remake everything. Realizing that he done f-ed up, Kyle tries to get Hal to stop going down the same road that led him to an attempt to try and reshape the universe. But Hal is having nothing of it, and blast at the ringless Kyle, dropping him to the underground tomb of the Green Lantern Corps. Hal follows him down there, saying that there's nothing he can do to stop it, but Kyle disproves that by toppling a crystalline coffin on him. Saying that he shouldn't have given the ring to Hal since it was his responsibility, Kyle pulls the ring off Hal's finger and charges it up again. But Parallax has absorbed enough energy and he is able to take on Green Lantern, And the fighty McFightenstein, copyright Andrew Layden, 2011, all rights reserved, begins. The fight is quick, with Hal easily getting the upper hand and shackling Kyle in energy generated constructs. Hal creates a construct of Alex to try and tempt Kyle to allow Hal to go through with his plan. But Kyle channels Pete Loaf and says he'd do anything for love, he won't do that. And to make certain that Hal won't be able to absorb any more power, Kyle uses his ring to overload the planet Oa, blowing up the planet real good. With the energy source gone and Hal supposedly defeated, Kyle decides to accept the responsibility of being the last Green Lantern in the universe. If only he had the responsibility to pack a GPS, so he could find his way back home. And that is Green Lantern Issue Zero. Thomas. Yes. Um,
2: first thing... And one of the reasons I asked if I could come on for this episode was that I wanted to address, you know, we, we talked about it on the, la- on the last time I was on, we were on with Michael Bailey, um, how Ron Mars is given this reputation. Someone doesn't understand how. Mm-hmm. And I think this kind of shows that he understands as better as anybody what this what's going on in this guy's head right now.
0: Yes, definitely. He he realizes that how. Hal's sole purpose in life was to try and do the right thing and mm-hmm. tr- be the hero. And it's one of the things I think is kind of a contention in the book. Because when Hal eventually does get the ring back, he goes very quickly back to the whole, I've got to make this right, and not thinking it out. So even though Mars does get the character right, I'm wondering if he was still being manipulative during the entire time. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it looks like he. You're you're kind of led to believe one way or another, depending upon how you want to look at it, that it could actually be how being honest about this is what I want to do, or how being manipulative and saying, if I get the ring from this kid, then I can finish up what I started. Right. But yeah, I agree with you. Mars unfairly gets the. Wrap of being a Hal Jordan hater,
2: mm-hmm. and I also think it's interesting that that he brings these two characters together at this particular point in their lives, so to speak, because you're dealing with uh, Kyle is just coming off of the grief of losing Alex, and he's confronted with this. This is this is the ultimate extension of where you can go wrong with your grief. With embracing your grief, because that's what that's the thing that I I get throughout reading this issue is that Hal is just so is just not willing to let go Mm
1: -hmm.
2: of the grief of losing Co City, that he's willing to do this horribly monstrous thing. And the fact that Kyle, his first response, we, we, we were talking before we started about Doctor Who and how, you know, how it's all about the intellect sometimes. Does Kyle fight him? At, you know, once he realizes what's going on in his head, no, he tries to use compassion. Mm-hmm. He tries to use empathy, create a bond, so he can
0: talk him down from the ledge. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the thing that that is going to define Kyle in mm-hmm. that he is able to to not just be he's not the ass kicker, or he's mm-hmm. not the stereotypical hero he's the thinking person he's the person who's willing to go in there and fight but only if he needs to and i I like that they're developing this character And, and you're also absolutely right about they both had horrible tragedies happen to them and how maturely kyle is dealing with his grief and kind of how immaturely Hal is right. The, the whole idea that I can just rebuild it. I can bring all of it back. I can make it the way it was really isn't a right thinking thing. It's not something that even though you do have this amazing power that you probably shouldn't do. So um, I want to
2: address Daryl buying start here. Mm-hmm. It's definitely, he's showing a lot more of improvement in terms of his figure work. we, spend some time in the last two episodes that we were on um, making fun of how inconsistent his his figures were. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still not 100% there, but there it's obvious now that he's got a better grasp of the character, he's being a
0: lot more confident. I think it also may come to the fact that this is, I think, the first book that it's actually just Daryl Banks doing the artwork. Uh, previous issues, he's had some fill-in people doing the artwork, which mm-hmm. has given the given the book sort of an uneven feel. So he's he's not quite to the level that we'll come to expect of him in uh, previous or in later issues. Mm-hmm. But it, it's looking a lot better.
2: Yeah, I mean, his storytelling was always there, even from that first issue that we talked about.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Now the figure work is beginning to be more consistent. One
0: thing thing I do have to comment about, you know, his artwork, mm -hmm. I I know they're going for uh, more modern and more uh, sort of 90s edgy artwork, but the whole Ed 209 thing Mm -hmm. with Kyle sort of bunched up in there with his hands on the controllers Mm -hmm. just annoys me. Uh, It would have worked so much better if he had it more as a... uh, I'm kind of thinking the the mech suit from Aliens where right. where he's got his arms in the thing, but it looks like he's just bunched up in this little cockpit and it it bugs me.
2: Um page 11. I'm back. I'm Green Lantern again.
0: Yeah, well, probably bound to happen sooner or later anyway. <laughs> yeah, I had a I had a note about that. It's like <laughs> I wonder if what I wonder if this was the impetus this was the first if you he who shall not be named picked up. Because mm-hmm. of like, I'm gonna bring him back. I swear, this will be what I do. But yeah, yeah.
2: Eventually, it was I boring. wonder if that was just Mars' annoyance at the Heat people. To be honest,
0: well, was he this rabid?
2: This soon? Right I mean, from it's... the start, they were like, "How dare you do this?"
0: Only cow. Well, I, I'm glad I, I'm glad I kept out of that because I. As much as I enjoy Hal Jordan as a character, mm-hmm. I loved Kyle even more, and I grew to think of him as the Green Lantern of my time. So, right, yeah, this could be a little snide dig at him. Okay,
2: two things about page seventeen. First off, is it just me or did Hal throw Abin Sur's corpse? At Kyle? That's
0: kind of what I was thinking. I was thinking that the uh, I was like. Because on page sixteen, if you look back at that, the coffin that Hal is being buried under or trapped under looks like Avin Sur's coffin. And I'm wondering if that is intentional there, because the coloring on page seventeen that you said, it definitely yeah. looks like Abensur. He's got the sort mm-hmm. of red Kurigarian well, is he Kuragarian? Is he oh, I'm trying to remember what his, his... But it looks like Abin Sur. It, yeah. It's definitely the sort of magenta, sort of pink face thing. Mm. So it,
2: and the it, other thing it, about this page I like, when they quote-unquote suit up for this brief exchange,
1: mm-hmm.
2: Kyle's armor is very very anime, very mecha. Yeah. Whereas Hal's is very medieval, mm-hmm. which I think says a lot about how the characters are thinking.
0: Yes. Well, and it's also, it's also a perfect way for them to distinguish. And I don't know if maybe poke fun. I don't know whether this may have been editorial or Mars, you know, having to put in something there like, this is the new guard, and mm-hmm. this is the old guard, and never the two shall meet. So we're going to have Kyle be all Voltron and Pal be all Sir Valiant.
2: Um, and then we get into, of course, the the sequence of Alex. Green Alex, uh,
0: you know uh, the the more I look about it, yeah, I, I'm 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 coming to like Alex. Even though initially her character was kind of just a nagging girlfriend, mm-hmm. at the end she was starting to she was starting to come back to Kyle, and she you could see that he that she really meant something to him, and this is one of the things that. Also happened in the earlier issues, I think issue 47, where Hal tried to recreate – no, it was 48.
2: No, it was 48, where he tries to recreate – Coast City. Coast City. Uh,
0: all the dialogue is this sort of cloying stuff where he's like, if you just did this, if you would just do this. and It's not the person speaking. It's Hal trying to manipulate – Kyle into thinking this is the right thing to do. Right. And it's just like issue 48 where Hal was creating all these constructs and they were essentially spouting exactly what he wanted to hear them say. He wanted to hear absolution from his father. He wanted to hear his girlfriend say thank you for doing all this. It, it's all Hal's sort of ego coming out to try and either console himself or to manipulate others.
2: Then we get, of course, Kyle's ultimate solution, Mm -hmm. which I guess finally puts the, you know, closes the door on anything, at least in the minds of DC at this time, Mm -hmm. anything to do with the Guardian with the with the Green Lantern Corps,
0: and it's it it does pretty much wipe the slate clean. It does Kyle uh, a complete and whole individual, and. For better or worse, I think it was it was a tough decision, but it also, again, speaks to Kyle's budding character as a hero uh, that he's willing to do perhaps the hardest thing that needs to be done. If Mm -hmm. he's going to keep Hal from or Parallax from doing all these horrible things, he's got to do something drastic. And it's it's, again, a testament to his development as a character, as his development as a hero.
2: Um, Big Boom? <laughs> big Bada Boom. Big Bada Boom, and then, of course, another pin-up page. Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you, uh, the time, uh, there's no signature, unless it's <laughs> hidden behind one of the myriad stars back there. Right.
2: And can, can we take a few minutes to, 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 to laugh at Hal's new costume? <laughs> Which one? What are you talking about? No, I'm talking about the shoulder pads and the freaking ginormous... <laughs> steel collar around his neck Mm-hmm. my lord this thing is so complicated
0: now would alex ross sort of adapt this for the whole kingdom come vibe because i'm uh, it's been so long since i've realized since i've read that and i'm thinking that ross took elements of this over the top parallax costume for use in that but yeah it is yeah it is the '90s, Jake. <laughs> Those are ridiculous shoulder pads. Oh and my goodness! Now, now on the first uh, on page one, on the first page, the cape's not as ridiculous as what they would be in uh, the Guy Gardner series. In I think twenty-two, where uh, Guy and Hal actually faced off, mm-hmm. the cape was all over the place, and I think that was actually. The first place that the cape was drawn, because prior to that, in the issue fifty, Hal didn't have the cape. Right. But obviously, he uh, didn't talk to Edna Mode because you shouldn't have capes with your uniform. But capes are cool. of course they are. Well, on Superman, they're cool. Batman, they're <laughs> not so much. But yeah. how are you going to how are you going to gesture
2: dramatically if you're a supervillain without a cape?
0: That's true, and you know, uh, well, it works for it works for Alan Scott, I guess. You yeah, know, got that huge, but he's also got the the enormously high Dracula collar as well. So,
2: <laughs> oh, there's something else I wanted to point. out. And this is this is since we're, we're at the front of the book again,
0: the two page spread. Mm-hmm. Those guardian corpses must stink something fierce. <laughs> Well, they've been uh, they've been sucked through time, so maybe when they go through time tunnel, there's you know like some sort of uh, you know what, like time soap. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they 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 uh, Simonize them or whatever. I don't know. Oh, my lord. Uh, going through here, anything else? Again, like pages seven and eight, where Hal's doing his Hamlet soliloquy and looking at the skull of Kilawag. I'm wondering. He, he he looks remorseful for a moment, but then it kind of clicks that, yes, he's he's wanting to do this to try and get... he. I, I I still get the feel that even though he may be remorseful, he's still got a little bit of manipulation in there as well. Right.
2: And then I guess we got page 10, which is... Now, this is what we should explain, that, that all of these zero issues, and that same month, that zero hour hit its zero issue every book along the line had a zero issue. Yeah. And one of the, the the purposes for that was to provide readers, both new and old, with a solid concrete, this is the character's backstory up until this moment. Mm-hmm. And this is, since of course we're dealing with a character whose existence is only what, at this point? Five, six issues? Yeah. So they, they didn't have a lot to do with that. No, As opposed to the one we're going to see uh, on the other side of the break when we get to that break mm-hmm. uh, where um, Bo Smith is actually using the Zero Hour to set up the new status quo yeah. and explain how it ties in with the previous status quo. But oh, Zero Hour, what a mess.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't really say that much. Unfortunately, <laughs> The idea behind Crisis, the the original Crisis, and consolidating Earth into one thing was a good concept. And I think it was really well executed. But yes, of course, you can't fix everything. But Zero Hour, in its attempt to try and fix the little things that if you weren't just nitpicking about, the things that uh, faltered in Crisis, you could just overlook them, and Zero Hour didn't effectively need to be done. On the other hand, I guess it is nice that you had these Zero issues where you could essentially give sort of origin stories and give a jumping-on point for new readers, Mm -hmm. but the whole Zero Hour concept and uh, the whole destruction of the universe, and I'm certain the whole the, the tainting of the character of Hal Jordan is probably one of the Not one of the better ideas to come across DC's editorial page. Right. But uh, if that's all you have, uh, that's all I have for this issue. Okay. Uh, I'll go ahead and plug another couple of promos in here. We'll take a break and come back with what I'm looking forward to, issue zero of Guy Gardner.
2: It's time to put on our man suits.
0: (laughs) Time to have our hairy chests out. (laughs) With tattoos. Yes.
3: (laughs) Hi, everyone. My name is Michael Bailey. And I'm Jeffrey Taylor. And we host a podcast called From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast.
4: Presented by the Superman homepage. On the show. Wait, wait, wait. What? This just isn't working out for me. It's not bombastic enough. We need something epic.
3: Like what?
4: Welcome to From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast, presented by the Superman homepage. I am Jeffrey Taylor.
3: And I am Michael Bailey. From Crisis to Crisis chronicles the adventures of Superman. Wait, 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 wait. I'm just not feeling this.
4: I'm just wondering how there's a needle scratching sound when all of this is clearly digital.
3: Look, all we need to say is that this is a trailer... For a show called From Crisis to Crisis A Superman Podcast Presented by the Superman homepage My name is Michael Bailey I'm Jeffrey Taylor And every week We give in-depth Synopsis and reviews For just about Every Superman book Published between Man of Steel Number 1 In 1986 And
4: Adventures of Superman Number 649 In 2006 We also talk about The related Superman media What was happening In the rest of the world When these comics Were published And what else was going on In the DC Universe
3: The show drops every Thursday-ish at the Superman homepage, which is located at www.supermanhomepage.com.
4: From Crisis to Crisis is also a proud member of the Superman Podcast Network, located at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com.
3: So join Jeffrey and I each week as we explore Superman during the post-crisis era, which includes Exile, Panic in the Sky, Doomsday, The Marriage, and beyond.
4: And write into the show at From Crisis to Crisis at gmail.com and hear it read on the air. Eventually, because we get behind on that sort of thing.
3: Superman created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Side effects from From Crisis to Crisis include loss of money from buying back issues, a desire to read 20 year old comic books, nausea, drowsiness, pizza, blurred vision, upset stomach, a desire to kick puppies and kittens, and backache from lifting boxes of Superman comics. If the excitement of From Crisis to Crisis lasts more than four hours, seek immediate medical attention.
5: On May 30th, 2011, DC Comics announced the historic renumbering of all their superhero titles, and the internet broke in half.
4: No. No. It's not true. That's impossible!
5: Critics and naysayers abounded. Confusion reigned across fandom. What'll I do? What'll I do? What an unusual view! Not to mention the first reactions to the Supergirl costume.
1: I hated her so much. It, it, the, f- it, flames, flames, flames on the side of my face, breathing, breath, heaving breaths, heaving.
5: But then the books actually hit. And opinions.
1: He likes it. He likes it.
5: Opinions began to change. The New 52 Adventures of Superman is a monthly podcast where John Wilson, J. David Weider, and Michael Kaiser take a look at each of the adventures of Superman and his family of characters in Action Comics.
3: You know the deal, Metropolis. Treat people right, or expect a visit from me.
5: The Superman who appeared six months ago could hurdle skyscrapers and toss trucks around. Now it's faster, now it's stronger. How soon before it can't be stopped?
4: Superboy. If resolving a situation for him is going to get me out from under these people once and for all, that's a small price to
5: pay for freedom. Release the Superboy! Supergirl. Okay. Giant metal creatures. Falling from the sky. Speaking in clicks and beeps. Father would love this dream. And Superman.
0: You could do so much good. We could do so much good.
5: I am doing good, Lois.
0: Clark's such a loner, never really lets anyone get close to him.
5: The New 52 Adventures of Superman. Available the first of every month on iTunes and at new 52 Superman.libsen.com.
0: And we are back. So, it is time to take in the epicness. The Tattooed Epicness of Guy Gardner Warrior number zero. <laughs> it was cover dated October nineteen ninety four with a release date about September 6, ninety four. It had the same cover price of $1.50 US, two ten Canada, and seventy UK. Titleist timeout was Once Upon a Time. So it's going to have a bunch of faky characters from you know Gr- Grimm's Fairy tales. Oh wait, that's
2: oh gosh, it. does that mean Cameron showing up? Uh,
0: <laughs> oh no, uh, I'm going to forget that. Uh, the writer was Poe Smith, penciler was Mitch Bird, inker Dan Davis, colorist Stu Shaffitz, letterer Albert Guzman, and editor was Eddie Braganza. Standing alone in his apartment, Guy Gardner star- stares at the holoprojector projector he brought back from the Naba Jungle. The crystal shows images of Guy drinking the Warrior waters, which he remembers, and then the image of one of the guards from Stargate, which he doesn't. The masked man calls Guy Warrior, himself Cardone, and the giant lizard alien who is attacking him. Well, he doesn't get a name, but for the sake of the story, we'll call him Plot Device. Plot Device tackles Guy, slamming him into the ground, proclaiming that Cardone has produced another flawed specimen. Cardone begs to differ as Guy grabs the lizard by his ponytail Okay and punches it in the side of the head <laughs> burying his fist into his head <laughs> yes. He
2: touched his brain
0: <laughs> Oh Plot Device flips Guy off of him and transforms his R into a spinning blade of death. Think that robot Maximilian from the black hole. Guy thinks that if he beats the crap out of this goon, he'll wake up from this bad dream, until he doubles over in pain. Plot Device mocks Guy as his body transforms, and Guy rises to face his foe as the all-new, all-badass warrior. Morphing his hand into a gun. Guy paraphrases Uncle Ben and blasts the snot out of plot device. Intercepts an arrow that was targeting him and mops the floor with the remaining attackers. And since this issue's level of Big Stein has been reached, Cardone calls off the "quote unquote" ancient warriors and prepares Guy for some Thomas D J style. Fly!
1: Fly! Back time! Back time!
0: Cardone tells Guy of the Voldarians, a race of warriors that defended the galaxy long before the Green Lantern Corps and the Dark Stars. Because the Dark Stars are boring. Their main enemies were the Tormoks, led by the vicious tyrant Bronk, who invaded the Voldarian homeworld, capturing the women and killing the rest. With only a few warriors left, the Voldarians made their way to as many habitable planets as they could to advance race's science and teach them how to defend against the Tormocs guy, loving the Darth Vader stuff about as much as Thomas, tells Cardones to get to the f***ing monkey. Cardone continues, saying that finally the Baldarians reached Earth and found that humans were compatible genetic matches, therefore allowing them to carry on their lineage. The primitive tribe they met was glad to offer up their most bootylicious female to bear the offspring of the gods, but their tribal shaman was not so happy. In the middle of the night, the shaman poisoned the pregnant woman, and in nine months' time, she gave birth to the Dave Mustaine slash Doomsday baby, the Abomination killed everything. <laughs> it
2: looks like it looks like the Tasmanian Devil got horribly wrong.
0: I just see uh, if you know Dave Mustaine from the yeah. Megadeth, yeah, looks like he just basically got an alien makeover. There, it's horrible. It's horrible. The Abomination killed everything his path including his mother and the shaman who had helped bring him into existence and then disappeared without a trace the voltarians kept working with the Naba tribesmen and the fruit of their centuries-long labor was guy unable to accept his fate guy totally freaks out claiming that they made him into a monster cargo didn't expect this to happen so he slows the development of guy's powers until he's ready to accept them and with that Guy is returned to the moment he remembered after drinking the warrior waters, and exit the tip with a hollow projector. Back in his apartment room, a stunned Guy Gardner stares at the flickering images and disbelief, as this is only the beginning. Up the awesomeness that will be Guy Gardner. Well, uh, maybe awesomeness is kind of a strong word. There, are, there are bits and pieces where it kind of lags, but these past few, these past few comics have just been amazingly fun. I really like, and uh, uh, Mitch Bird and Dan Davis and Bo Smith do a great job. I, I think the artwork in this has actually really improved, and they're especially like the Splash of Guy, even though it's a ridiculous uniform, but the Splash of Guy is Warrior. It comes up where it's at on page 8. Mm-hmm. Just, it, it looks good. Now it's not stereotypical Guy, it's Guy Gardner Warrior, but it's it's better art I think than we've seen in a while. But uh, Thomas, go right ahead. It's it's better than that
2: in yellow... Oh, <laughs> Armor, thank you, Booster. Um, as we can see, see I will contend that all this time, Bo Smith wants Guy Gardner to be John Wayne. Mm-hmm. Just you—you'll know, notice that he doesn't do a lot. He's—I mean, you know, there is still the, the the you know the the wise the wise assery. Mm-hmm. He's definitely a lot less chatty than he used to be under previous writers. Um, outside of, of course, in fact, you know what, it, it's funny, because it's like, I can't help but think, think of him, uh, of, of, uh, when I read the, the dialogue in this issue, of him speaking, not speaking with a, a Texan accent.
0: Yeah, kind of, which is odd, you know. Because, you know, when I hear him, I hear, sort of, New England.
2: You know, yeah.
0: The, you know, the sort of, you know, he's supposed to be from Baltimore, so I hear the sort of New English sort of Mhm. But, uh.
2: But that line on that that splash page, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling pretty damn powerful.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And and then, of course, on the next page, they're aping the whole... uh... Uncle Ben thing, which I, I I love. and with great power comes great responsibility. As he blasts you know the yeah. plot device in the face, and he says, "Oh, scratch that last part," and it's great fun. And if that is not the basically the tagline for what this, well, for what I'm trying to get across in the show, but what a what this comic is trying to get across, fun. These comics are. Just fun in every aspect, and uh, you know the fact that they had to steal the whole Spider-Man thing and co-opt to do this, I'm fine with that because yes, this is what comics need. Comics need mm-hmm. fun in them,
2: and he does the best. I think that that Smith. It's obvious Smith does not care for the the alien bullcrap,
0: mm-hmm. but
2: he does the best he can with
0: it. Mm-hmm. And he even even the art with it uh, doesn't look as ridiculous as it would in other in other aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, of it looks like things are growing out of his hands. Uh, it looks more like I want to say more like Tony Stark's sort of Iron Man armor. Right. He's firing stuff out of rather than his gun just morphing into a giant, or his hand morphing into a giant gun. It looks like there's some design going into it, rather than just, oh, he took off his arm and replaced it with his mega gun.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, there's a definite organicness to what Bird is doing when he does the morphing. You know, as opposed to some of the other artists, whenever a guy shows up during this phase of his career as a guest star. As I'm sure i I I envy you. You're going to have to go to Return of the Warrior soon.
0: Yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll I'll have Luke Jack on for that because he's a big Hawkman fan and he's asked to come on for that. So, he'll he'll help ease the pain. <laughs> right. Uh this Cardone character, I I got a serious uh J Davison vibe from Stargate and I really hope that we don't find out in in a final scene from that was epic. Ex- <laughs> Jay Davison is actually a man. It's a man, baby. Uh,
2: Do you remember a GI Joe character called? I think it was called Raptor. Vaguely. Okay, he was the he was the uh, the the Cobra Falconer. Oh, okay, yeah. Because apparently, if you were in Cobra, you needed a Falconer.
0: Well, as uh, as every
2: you know fighting team needs. <laughs> Uh, and, and he looks a little like i mean that's what i thought is that there's there's a weird sort of like um you thought stargate i thought gi joe to in this design
0: yeah it's they're i guess they're trying to go for sort of ancient egyptian because yeah uh they've got a lot of uh they've got a lot of pyramids uh the uh the whole Vard- voldarian thing when they go to other planets the way they advance the race you know, you see a lot of pyramids in there right you're, well, th- I'm wondering if if that's like
2: their, their ship, if because it's like you know I was about to say you have the, the pyramid shape which seems to be the Voldarian thing, and then when you see the Tormok shape, mm-hmm. well that, they're almost like fists in space. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, they have uh, you know what I was kind of drawn to was the the sort of uh, look of the ships from the James Cameron Aliens movie, uh, mm-hmm. kind of like the Sulaco. They had that very. Uh, powerful look but yes they do have the look of sort of like giant arms with fist but yeah it is and and there's also a bit of a tron feel those uh mm-hmm. the first tron with the big ship that uh david warner was on
2: oh yeah the big stampy thing yeah <laughs> that's right um <laughs> that was in fact its name <laughs> big stampy thing.
0: i think I, I think that's canonical yes yes um i enjoy on page 15 because I love playing this game as a as a kid, that the uh, Vuldarians are going to give their uh, scientific knowledge to the aliens from Yar's Revenge up at the top. <laughs> panel. So that's cool, and that they've also got the uh, friendly dolphins on the, uh, on the previous <laughs> page. That'll endure them with Lobo. So that's cool.
2: Yeah, and then we also we also I don't know what that one is. The, the kind of like the uh,
0: flying uh, squirrel people there. Becky, oh yeah. <laughs> it's so it's big. it's uh, like they basically genetically engineered uh, guys, Rocket Raccoon so there you go awesome
2: and <laughs> um, okay. then we get into the Naboo because sequence
0: like yes again uh, okay. <laughs> Davis like growing women it's with a so big sick. old backside
2: I so like big butts now, and I cannot I lie swear, I mean, all you other brothers can't deny know. every time you see a little bitty thing with a rat thing in your waist you get spr- I
3: <laughs> like big butts and I cannot lie you other brothers can't deny walks in with an itty bitty waist and a round thing in your face you get sprung wanna pull up tough cause you notice that butt was stuck deep in the jeans she's wearing i'm hooked and i can't stop staring oh baby i wanna get whipped out. Take your picture, my whole boy's trying to warn me But that what you got makes me, me so horny Ooh, romper smooth skin You say you wanna get in my bins? Well, use me, use me Cause you ain't that average groupie I seen her dancing To hell with romance And she's sweat, wet Got it going like a turbo vet I'm tired of magazines Send flat butts all the thing Head the average black man and ask him that She gotta pack much back. So, fellas, yeah! Fellas!
0: Shake that healthy butt. Baby got... That's okay. Yeah, she is... And and I think she's going to need those uh, very White hips because uh, she's... Giving birth to Dostock and playing Barney. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Then, of course, we get to the birth of creepy Dave Mustaine. And, of course... uh, he, I, I don't think he's named. Did he eat his way out of her? I can't tell. If if he did, because they say nine months later, and he is yeah. big for you know, I, I've had two children, so yeah. technically you know that I had sex twice. I can prove it. You know. <laughs> but he is big for and for a nine month old, so. Yeah. If if he did eat or burst his way out of it, it is tastefully done. Yeah, because I think in, in of course, again, modern comics, you would see hearse blade halfway boss for a, But yeah, I can I can imagine that because she's in the background and she's all bloody. And, yeah, and then we get the, the two page. We get the
2: the regular the uh, prerequisite. Yeah. This is where our hero has been
0: spread. Here's all the history, including the goofy-ass yellow armor. (laughs) (laughs) And as much as I harp on Staten, uh, Mm -hmm. drawing Guy Gardner in the old Green Lantern uniform, I'm not not completely one over at what Bird does here, Mm -hmm. but I don't mind uh, the look of Guy Gardner in the uniform. I... I always thought of Guy as much leaner, but this fits in with the aesthetic of Guy, this very muscular guy that Burden and Davis are doing
2: nowadays. Well, keep in mind also, I mean, he was a football player, and football players tend to be a little broader in the chest.
0: But uh, it's nice to see uh, Guy's dad back, and it's nice to see that in Baltimore, I guess, you can smoke in the maternity ward, which is <laughs> awesome.
2: And we get we get Mace and we get, yeah, we, and I, I love the I love the fact that Bo Smith. It seems like Bo really latched onto the idea that before all this nuttiness started happening to Guy, he was a teacher
0: and a social worker, mm-hmm. and he keeps bringing that up. I think he yeah. he wants to remind people that Guy's not this character that, for better or worse, has been. Portrayed as kind of a thuggish goon by Giffen and DeMatteis and Mm -hmm. uh, more lovingly by Gerard Jones in the previous issues of Green Lantern. But he's trying to rebuild the idea that he is more than just the Green Lantern's bruiser.
2: Right. So, I mean, I just like the fact that the first thing that, that Cardone says as to why he is the one is like, from the beginnings, you have tried to help the weak teach them Mm
0: -hmm. yeah that he's he he, well and i guess that kind of uh subscribes to an actual you know what makes a good warrior Mm -hmm. they're not just someone who goes out there and picks fights and can win them they're also someone who thinks it out and that like he said given his druthers guy would be a teacher and would be to the, best of his, to the best of his abilities, a thinker. And he, they, Chuck Dixon brought that up again in that he studied his entire way through college on his own, and he excelled at all this. So I'm glad that Bo Smith is going back and sort of reiterating that fact and uh, bringing it forth to people who may not know that about Guy.
2: Mm-hmm. And then we get the uh, Captain Stern face. Mm-hmm, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I should... That's, I mean, okay, I I I understand that that Mitch Bird is cartoony,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but that's kind of odd considering how fairly, you know, within the realms of reality he is all, throughout the rest of this. Well, granted, we're talking about a book where guy fights a, a lizard, puts his fist through a lizard guy's head.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <sighs> but yes, that that face is very much right out of that heavy metal movie of, of pan over Fist yelling for Captain Stern. I mean, granted, the physicality that uh, Bird does is kind of over the top. I mean, it's almost Schwarzeneggerian, if
2: you mm-hmm.
0: of term, but it doesn't look completely unnatural. It just looks very, very muscular. This is the first time, well, maybe not the first time, but this is an example of it looking a bit too cartoony and a bit less realistic. Right. And then of course they get the uh, whole finale where it's like, Oh, sorry guy. We can't tat you up. We'll give you a instant, a uh, laser tattoo. <laughs>
2: we'll give it to you a little bit at a time.
0: Yeah. Which, you know, I guess that, I guess that sets up the idea of him having the goofy red and blue armor. It's like, Oh no, we can't let you have your full warrior powers until the end of Zero Hour, and then we'll give you your full warrior powers. Right. But, uh, yeah, this was this was a nice way to set up the character of Guy Gardner Warrior, and uh, all in all, a really fun issue. Mm-hmm.
2: It, it, it's not as fun as uh,
0: punching Nazi dinosaurs in the head. There will never be an issue as fun as punching Nazi dinosaurs.
2: <laughs> I... But, like I said, I love the fact that, it, that it's... I mean, I, I love smith's concept of guy like i said he is john wayne Mm -hmm. he is this he's all of the all of the weird bravado that we've seen ever since he was taken over by giffen and dimiteus is kind of gone now Mm -hmm. he's very very assured in what he is and later on when we get because it's not this far off that, that he's gonna open up. Uh, he's gonna open up the
0: the bar, right? Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think it's maybe like three or four issues, if even. Yeah.
1: Editor's note: The actual opening of the Warriors Bar is hinted at in issue number twenty-five, which we will be covering next week exclusively for Professor Allen.
2: So even though Bo Smith still has to deal with the fact that he's got to put guns out of his hands, mm-hmm. he's still going to emphasize the fact that this is this is guy guys a man of action and he's a quiet he's believes in deeds not words Mm -hmm. oh my god i just quoted
0: megaforce (laughs) (laughs) oh if you can't love megaforce what can you love (laughs) (laughs) but uh, yeah it's it's a nice start to what's going to become a really fun set of comics. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to going and reading them. Thomas, uh, if uh, uh, I might as well say uh, kind of end tagging this, that neither of these books have been reprinted in anything. However, I've heard on both Smith's site, he's hoping to get people talking to DC about doing a showcase edition of all of his run of Guy Gardner, which
2: I I still think that we should we should maybe reach out to Mr. Smith.
0: I would love to do that. I'm
2: and say, hey, Bo, would you like to talk guy with us? Definitely. And then probably when we are in his presence, we will be growing more and more facial hair.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just just because he's here. It will permeate the internet and it will make us more manly. That's right. (laughs) But, uh, neither of these books have been reprinted. And like I said, uh, I would love to have a showcase of these. That would be fun. And especially to see them, you know, in the black and white art. I mean, that would be interesting to see how they differ because Mm -hmm. sometimes the zany coloring just doesn't do it for me. But, uh, if that's all you got to say, Thomas, uh, do you want to go ahead and plug what you're doing on the internet right now, Crystal? Guy Gardner's awesome. Yes. <laughs> Sorry.
2: What am I doing on the internet? Um, well, Better in the Dark, of course, although the next episode is going to be a little bit delayed due to things that we've discussed. Um, we've got Moves Like Curtis, the podcast where I, I do cluel- talk cluelessly about football. Uh, that's available through tricycleoffense.com. Um, of course, I know you're a big fan of the of the the blogs. Damn your ears, damn your eyes, where I, you know, I do the ten statements about you know movies and television,
0: especially the Doctor Who stuff. The... And there should
2: hopefully be a new one up soon. I uh, I gotta get you know this has been a crazy week for me. Um, and sing along scriptures, where I, you know is the music blog, and of course the Nocturne Travel Agency, where um, I'm trying to get people ready. Cause it's, it looks like it's coming out in the fall now. Great, um, for Shadow Legion, New Roads to Hell, and um, I'm really kind of excited. I got a friend of mine who's who's he does movie props, so he's doing actual working replicas of the the high tech, the cool high tech cyberpunk steampunk weaponry.
0: Oh, neat!
2: For me to like tote around when I go go on the convention circuit. So,
0: well, that'll be cool. I can't. I mean, wait for that to come out.
2: Yes, yeah, so um, that that is coming, and uh, yeah, and I'm around. You can find me on Facebook. Really, not like Sean. But uh, <laughs> you just send these, You just like sending people on these goose chases, don't you?
0: You know, I, I've had I've had my run-ins with dick whistles on Facebook, and yeah. you know the the well, I haven't, but I've had friends who've had, it and you know, I want to try and avoid that. But you know, uh, eventually, I've got to step into the 21st century or so sooner sooner or later i will probably later though yeah but thomas again it is always 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 a pleasure to have you on and i will put the word out to mr smith and if we do get an interview you and i will talk some guy
2: (laughs) just have some brews
0: put our feet up on the couch smell of manliness will permeate the air
2: it'll go out in a radius around uh,
0: and with that it's like it's wi-fi for, ma- for masculinity <laughs> uh, and with that image in your head that's going to conclude this episode of just one of the guys thanks everyone for listening and we'll catch you next friday bye everyone good night you've been listening to just one of the guys a green lantern podcast hosted by yours truly, Sean Engel. All images, stories, and music are copyrighted by their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This podcast is done solely out of my desire to show the denizens of the internet that comic books could be fun, humorous, compelling, thought-provoking, and exciting, while not having to fall into the weary tropes of the 1990s. I'm not in any way doing this for monetary gain, which irritates my wife to no end. All feedback to the show can be sent to the show's gmail account at justoneoftheguyspodcast at gmail.com. All feedback, positive and negative, is warmly welcomed. All spam bots are warmly welcome too, as long as your definition of a warm welcome is for them to die horribly in a fire. The website address for the show can be found at justoneoftheguys, all one word, dotlibson, spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N, dot com. There you can find the RSS feed, as well as scans the covers and whatever else I feel like putting up. Look for me on iTunes. Just search for Just One of the Guys podcast and be sure to leave a review there. I'd love to read it on the next episode. You can also search for me on Facebook. I mean, you won't find me there because I don't have an account there. But if you have enough free time to listen to me babble on about funny book characters, you obviously can spare some time to wander around on Facebook. Thanks for downloading and listening, and come back next Friday for another episode of Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast.
2: I have masculinity. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> where that came from? You know, you know, and I just get the impression that, like, unlike with Shag, where yeah, Shag and I, I'm um, in public, we we snipe at each other, but we're actually get along.
0: Well, that's that's also what I'm hoping to do with the Doctor Who thing, because I want I want to have you and Shag on at least one, if not more, of the shows. <laughs> You can snipe at each other, because in, in my in my talks with Shag, at least through via email,
1: mm-hmm.
0: he, he, you're absolutely right. He is nothing but uh, a, a kind, wonderful person who who most of it is just bravado to just, right. sort of, you know, to to wind the monkey, basically.
2: Mm-hmm. Awesome. And to answer your question, it's OK. Originally, I was just going to call uh, the new one Wonderbox 2. OK. But one of the pe- my people at work was like, you, you can't give it that d- a dull name. You have to give it a feminine name. And he was like, Trying to sell me on Sophia. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, so Soph- Sophia. Sophia. Sophie. Doesn't it sound. So I'm like. It- and it- I said, If I was going to name it anything, I would probably name it Kristen. But then I thought to myself, Because this, the, the new one, uh, even though it's got that fing Windows 8.
0: Meanwhile,
2: some time has passed. But getting back to the, the reason why I'm referring to it as Kristen Slash McPhee, so I said I would call. It, but then I was thinking about it. The new one is it's it's a lot. It's thinner, and it's got a slightly darker uh, outer casing. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking darker and thinner than Christ- than Kristen Bell. That's Catherine McPhee. So there I was thinking. So I, I actually put it up for a, a vote on the Better in the Dark Facebook page. I said, "Well, which one do you think? What, what do you think I should call it?" So we'll see what what happens. <laughs> oh Lord! Well, so you, well, maybe I should just refer to it as Kristen McPhee. I,
0: I just call it Kristen McPhee. Everyone will everyone will know what it's about. <laughs> yeah, everyone, well, will everyone who listens to, to
2: we haven't released that episode yet when, yet. when I talk about her being the beautiful one elect and elect, and Derek loses it. Derek really? just goes,
4: "Wait a minute."
0: There's an actual elect to this job. <laughs> there's some sort of secondary in case in case the beautiful one cannot fulfill her duties as the exactly. beautiful one, there's someone else to come in and step in and take her place. That's exactly. awesome.
1: Exactly.
2: <laughs> exactly. That's what I refer to her
0: as.